What's up, everybody? You are watching Gratitude Unfiltered Remixed. I'm your host, Joshua T. Berglund, and we are broadcast live on the Live Model Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Thank you guys so much for being here today. <clears throat> Got choked up. <laughs> uh, thank you again for being here. Uh, we're going to have a great show today. Uh, we are actually bringing back a guest that was on a couple of years ago. Uh, really excited to have filmmaker Darla Ray uh, coming on the show today to talk about Courageous Warriors, Beauty from the Ashes. Uh, this is an awesome documentary that I had the opportunity to watch. I think you guys are going to love it. So stay tuned. We're going to play a quick song. Uh, come back. We're going to play a, uh, a highlight reel of the film, if you will, and uh, get into the interview with Darla. You guys are in for a treat today. This is going to be a lot of fun, and uh, we'll see you soon. We're going to get into the clip now. Welcome to Gratitude Unfiltered. Thank you so much for being here today. And if you're watching on social media, uh, please do me a favor and share this. If you're watching on the Limana Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network, thank you for your support. Let's get into the clip now. Takes us on a journey with extraordinary women who are inspiring, thought-provoking, and, at times, brutally honest. I fall down, scrape a knee, let out tears, not because I'm weak. Hold deep the pain so I can breathe. Get back up and be a girl like me. Losing your breasts. You go through a grieving process. It's a loss like, like any other loss in your life, whether it's a family member or child or animal or whatever and I, I, I have a this theory that all of that grief lives someplace within us. From the moment they got diagnosed they got squeezed through a tunnel and shot out on the other side and they have no idea how they even got there. I had this moment of blinding rage. Made sure that we were doing what I hoped would be the right thing for my wife and it paid off. In fact they used to say to me the first time around, you've 
you've done your homework and you're asking questions people don't ask. Maybe they should start. I was in the hospital for my mastectomy and my boyfriend left me. He's like, I can't deal with this, I'm out. And if I could say this, that pisses me off. Because to me, that's a person, that's a man who has no honor. But I know from studies that, that we can help. This is the diagnosis that is curable. Help deep the pain so we could breathe. We need a fire for girls like me. There's no surrender for girls like me. Ladies and gentlemen, it's an absolute honor uh, for me to introduce somebody that has been a friend to me, somebody that I admire a great deal, someone that is just a really a brilliant filmmaker. I, I watched this film and, you know, and it's it how I've heard of men having breast cancer, but, you know, it's something that I you can almost take cancer out and put another ailment that people suffer with and struggle with. It's a debilitating uh, it's a life-changing condition. Cancer struck home in my life, not breast cancer per se, uh, but melanoma with my father and watching him suffer from this. And I've watched and I've heard stories of other people that have suffered from breast cancer. And it like this, I, it shocked me that I actually enjoyed this film. And here's why. Because typically if something I can't relate to something uh, head, like head on, or if it's not like a first person experience for me it's a, it's a very strong it's a hard thing for me to be able to relate that said watching this and hearing these stories it really did touch my heart maybe that's growth maybe that's god i don't know but i was really really surprised how it was going to affect me and then of all things being a man because again it's hard it's hard for a guy to wrap his head around breast cancer even when they've been around women because well you know, it doesn't, it's hard to relate. That said, hearing the stories of men that have this, it really raises a lot of questions. And it really makes me wonder how many of us are going around with breast cancer as men and don't even realize it. And like prostate cancer, like other issues that men deal with, you know, there it's, it, it, it's really, really, really hard to put us in women's shoes, right? Well, this one for me really woke me up to realize that, you know what, this is, I'm not, an, I'm not invincible to this either. And it really motivated me to actually go talk to my doctor to see if this is something that I have. Um, I try not to be somebody that worries about, you know, getting every sickness around every sickness that comes out or every disease or every epidemic. Like I don't look to go, Hey, I'm going to be one of those people, but cancer is a silent killer for a lot of people. And I don't know about you out there. If you've watched, if you have anyone that you've loved that has battled cancer, um, this documentary is special. And I think it'll hit home for a lot of people. It does. It will make you cry. But the other part about it that I think is the best part, is that you will leave inspired. So it is a great honor for me to introduce to you the one, the only, my friend, Darla Ray. Back to the show. Welcome, Darla. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you doing? Thanks for having me back. Well, and thank you for your patience with all the technical difficulties <laughs> over the, the last two times that we've tried to uh, broadcast together. Right. So thank you for being here. First things first, Darla, what are you grateful for today? Oh, well, honestly, I'm grateful for my family. I mean, today, uh, honestly, it's my daughter's 15th wedding anniversary. And I just think she's a rock star for being married for 15 years in this day and age and children and happy. That's awesome. I like that a lot. Um, so what motivated you? What inspired you to make a film like this? Well, it's interesting. I thought it was uh, initially I made a short film. Uh, about a 20 year old woman who gets diagnosed with breast cancer and ends up having to be fitted for a mastectomy bra. And so when I met all these incredible women that had been doing that job for like 30 plus years, 
And they told me all these stories. I thought I was going that direction with a documentary about those women. And they said, no, you need to meet these women. And they would start telling me all these stories. And, and then also my mom uh, had breast cancer. Uh, she passed away at the age of 60. And I kind of carried that around for a long time, just that trauma and the grief. And then several years ago, about five, six years ago, um, my then best friend, she'd been my best friend for years and years, and we, we always stayed in touch. And she texted me and she said, my cancer is back. I need to see you. So then I helped facilitate some of end of her life uh, things for her caregiving and as a result of my experience with my mom. And so I thought, okay, all of this, I, this seems to be the right time. I was 60 at the time I started this documentary. It took me three years to make it. And I would talk to one person and they'd say, well, you need to talk to this person. I interviewed over a hundred people for this film. Oh, wow. uh, and so, you know, I mean, there were things, there's still, I still have a ton of footage to put into hopefully a docu-series that gets into more depth. But but I, I realized in the process of making this film, I needed to uh, touch on the caregiver portion. And since I had been a caregiver, um, I mean, I turned the camera on myself and I haven't done that before. So um, I know that's a long way around the story, but it just seemed like, um, first of all, breast cancer is not your mom's breast cancer. There's yeah. so many treatments and so many other things. But in this case, breast cancer is the backdrop for the film. But as you kind of alluded to earlier, um, it has a universal message. So you can put yourself in bladder cancer, uh, traumatic brain injury, whatever the case may be that that you're faced with. And this film will give you information that you can utilize in those situations. Um, yeah. And this one is very vulnerable. These men and women were extremely vulnerable. Talk about that's where I came up with. Uh, actually, God came up with the Courageous Warriors. I woke up in the middle of the night and I went, that's 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 the title. And I wrote it down. And I've stuck with that all the way through because they are indeed courageous warriors. And what they've created is a path of, that is their beauty from the ashes. What was your biggest surprise uh, in making the film? Like of, of what you heard, what you experienced, like what something that was the biggest surprise to you that may even surprise the audience? Oh, gosh, probably a couple things. Um, well, the first thing that pops out to me is uh, one one young woman. Um, well, first, the first thing that is the biggest surprise is that how many spouses leave leave their loved one because they can't handle it um, or they think they look grotesque. That really surprised me at what the percentage is. It's quite high. Um, why, why do you think that is? Do you think it's because I, this is probably completely off the wall, but do you think that there's a vanity aspect to, because I heard I was doing a women's, producing a women's conference uh, out of New Zealand a couple months ago, and I heard something that I've never heard before, which was functional breast. So in Africa and other countries, breasts are looked at as their mm -hmm. functional devices to help, you know, babies, not a desire of lust. Right. Do you think that that factors into why Absolutely. some of the spouses are leaving? Absolutely. And I think um, that's why I start the film the way I do is that, you know, we as a society have been enamored with breasts since the beginning of time. I whether still am. It's, whether, yeah. And whether it's, you know, it's, it's for, as you say, sexual beings, nursing mothers or subjects of art. I mean, yeah. think about that. And that is kind of ingrained in people. And then the part that I found difficult is when they they would say, like, well, you're gross, you know. Um, uh, and that's another reason why I made the film is that I want people to understand, you know, what the what it go what they go through. I mean, it's an emotional, not only a physical bomb that goes off, it's an emotional bomb. Um but I will say the other thing that really surprised me, um, honestly, is that how, how, oh gosh, and this is not bashing the medical community, but it 
you can. We don't do a good job of handling the whole person. The medical community, even people that are in the film that are ER doctors say they didn't do a good job of handling the whole health of the whole person. Um, that's why there's such devastation emotionally and, and post-traumatic stress that exists amongst survivors for various reasons. And so that piece just, I guess it really proved, it, it was the proof to what I thought existed, but I was hoping it didn't. Do you, I have a friend that is known as the forgiveness queen. Did you ever, and, and one of the things that she does is go along to different hospitals, uh, cancer hospitals around the country and works with the patients, the can cancer patients, works on them with forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And what they found was that a lot of the people that are suffering with cancer, they start, their condition turns around. I'm not saying go cancer free, but in some cases, yes, that their condition turns around when they learn who they need to forgive. That's Did true. Did you see any correlation in, in, in all of the people you interviewed? Did you ever pick up on anything about hanging on to resentment and anger or rage or the hurts of being cheated on or abused? Did you ever pick up on any of that stuff? Yeah, there, there was some of that where, you know, in conversations with, uh, and we didn't actually delve into that too much in the film per se, but there, there were examples of that. And, um, you know, when you get down, the vulnerability part is extremely hard for uh, survivors. Um, vulnerability is difficult for someone who's just starting through the process. Sure. Um, because they're all shell-shocked. But there were things where people had said, you know, I realized I was holding on to this issue. And when I let go of that issue, I was more receptive to healing and thinking outside the box for alternative um, types of treatment. And, and that kind of leads into my other surprise was the cannabis factor. Um, we have one woman in there that her cancer came back four times, five times, something like that. And uh, the doctor told her, look, if that gets into that ventricle in your brain, you're gone. So wow. I have no problem with you doing anything you want, throw anything alternative at it. So she and her husband, they just started growing their own cannabis and making their own pure CBD, uh, which she we make it in the movie briefly. We show a piece of us making that actually. Um, and she's been cancer free now for seven, going on eight years. Was there a specific recipe that was used like Rick Simpson oil or was it mainly uh, just straight up cannabis? Yeah, just, you know, the, the buds. And then, you know, you go through this process where you use um, uh, Everclear, Everclear. Yeah. Um, and because uh, it has to be a, a high enough um, alcohol proof in that. Uh, and you put that in there in a big, huge mason jar. And basically, because, you know, I mean, that has the terpenes and everything in it. So mm -hmm. then you use um, a big filter and we used a, an automotive filter because they're quite large. Uh, but they have very small holes. So then you take a spatula and kind of move that around to get all of that liquid and those things that you want in there out of it into the pan. And then you do one more filter of through like coffee filters. Mm -hmm. And then you take that and they, they cook it in something that's similar to a rice pot for about 12 hours. And it comes out uh, a thickness, I would say like a toothpaste. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's that's the process. Pretty is much. it nature cool? And it is so cool because I'm like, <laughs> but here in my mind, I was like, wait, we're throwing this away now. He goes, yeah, this of no use now. And I said, oh, okay, okay, I understand now. And the other thing was, this tells you how it's all about money because you know you can have a you can get recreational marijuana cheaper than the medical. So that's when he decided, well, if you, if that's the case, he goes, that's just dumb. You know, he said, I could buy the recreational and do the same process and it's cheaper. Isn't that interesting to purchase? Yeah, especially if it's the same thing. It is the same thing. The same quality, the same purity. Um, exact same thing. You know, I've been very, 
I'm an advocate for cannabis for mental health reasons. I'm Absolutely. an advocate for pain. Yep. I, listen, I'm a junkie at heart. Um, I have an extremely addictive personality. I, I We tease all the time about donuts in this house because I can't have one because if I have one, I'm having 12. <laughs> and, and it doesn't stop. But the same way was with other drugs that I had used. Mm -hmm. So I always thought that using cannabis was something that I was going to end up being really detrimental for me. However, it served as the opposite because I was able to get off so many different medications. Well, it's um, anti-inflammatory and cancer is inflammation. For sure. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, so is HIV, you exactly. know, and that's what I right. have. And the, right. the, uh, and fortunately I'm healthy and I live a healthy life, but the one side effect that I had to deal with was the, uh, uh, um, the really bad inflammation and the mm -hmm. medication really inflames me right the the cannabis has helped offset that and on, mm -hmm. on top of that it has like i was saying with the mental health side of things it's really really helped with anxieties and stress and like not sleeping and all the sleepwalking and night terrors i had so i'm a huge advocate for it as, even as a follower of christ let me so let's dive into that <laughs> you are a christian you're somebody Correct. that loves the lord have yes. you, in your support of cannabis, did you, have you received any pushback at all? Um, certain people, you know, they're kind of picky and they'll say, say things. And I, and I will be honest, I, I had a friend who was, had been a, a mentor to me years ago for a long time. And um, like, she didn't like some of the stuff I was showing in my films and, and, and kind of like what? Wrote a, le wrote a letter and walked away. Didn't think I, you know, I mean, even got down to like, well, you hang out with those people and they use, they use cannabis or this or that. And it was like, uh, okay. I mean, and I'm talking about, I, this had been a 20 year relationship or more. Seriously. So, yeah. It was devastating wow. to me. It really crushed me. And, uh, you know, but you know, that, at that, that's why I think I identify with some of these people in the film. I mean, I haven't had breast cancer, thank God. But, yeah. you know, ultimately, yeah, people I think there's that stigma, you know, and uh, and I will say this, you know, uh, when we were when we were interviewing uh, the gentleman that I'm talking about that helped make the, the CBD for his wife. Uh, when he came on set, we were out on location and uh, they were going to go pick out some stuff off the side of the mountain, other herbs and things, natural plants, and kind of walk me through some of the other stuff they did, you know? And when he showed up, of course, he kind of looked like Duck Dynasty uh, meets like, you know, stoner dude kind of thing. <laughs> and, and, uh, but I, and so everybody made an assumption, right? Like, yeah. okay, this is interesting. Uh, and then he starts to talk and the guy is so incredibly smart and articulate. That it was like, okay, here's an example. This is why you just do not judge a book by the cover, period. Yeah, that gets people in trouble. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I know how it talks about not judging in the Bible, but one area that a lot of us make the mistake of where we fall into judgment and it really not even on, I don't even think we do it on purpose, is when someone appears to be a certain way. And okay. they may yeah. show up looking like Duck Dynasty and you assume, well, that's just a dumb redneck. And then you hear him talking and it's like, <laughs> would you graduate from MIT? Yeah. <laughs> like, I like, mean, where did yeah. that come from? Well, and here's an example, like in the film. So we deal with uh, uh, P. Inc., personal ink, where women get the tattoos yeah. to cover scars. So we've got all these chicks on, you know, that we're interviewing, getting tattooed and, and, and that was another thing that a, a personal Christian friend said, do you really have to have that in the movie? I'm like, why wouldn't I have it in the movie? And, and for me, that was like the most, one of the most incredible experiences and um, how that came about is interesting because I had already um, interviewed this one woman uh, with P Inc. And then I went over to Hope Held by a Horse, which is an equine therapy group that we yeah. feature in the film. And that's um, cool, by the way, that was one of my, I think that was my it, favorite part. It is so, I, I will tell you a story about that in a minute. But when I 
when I met this woman, first of all, the group that we were seeing at the program, they were all nurse navigators so that they could experience what people that were survivors would be going through so they could tell more people about it. And this one woman was going through one of the therapy things and, and she said, well, you know, who have you, have, who have you talked to so far? So I referenced P Inc. And she said, I have been trying to get a tattoo um, through them, the organization, and, and it just hasn't happened. And I go, I'll tell you what, I can make that happen. And so when we went to the tattoo parlor and, um, you know, I mean, it's, that's a very vulnerable thing. And for her to allow us in to shoot that and her husband is sitting next to me as I'm talking to her and the cameras are rolling and he's just sobbing. And he kept saying, you have no idea what you're doing for her right now. He said, I can't thank you enough. And I was like, it was so emotional. And, you know, when people come in, as as one of the gals says in the movie, you know, sometimes they haven't even had their shirts off with their, their partner for years because they're so uncomfortable with themselves. And so, but see the stigma with tattoos is that's a no-no and you know in in the christian world and so i i had a hard time because i had a couple people say well you can't put that don't you know you can't put it in our festival and i'm like i wasn't going to but <laughs> you know but, you know, these guys are all vulnerable and and i figure people what we're saying about our film is and i'm going to read it because i don't want to mess it up <laughs> Well, I just, we finally came up with this and this is exactly it. This is a movie that tells what everyone wanted to know, but no one knew how to say. Wow. And and that's really, that's true because we just kept telling one thing after another. I'm like, and I have people that have been through cancer two, three times and they said, you have stuff in this film that we don't, we didn't even know existed. So there's such, it, it, it really has been an emotional roller coaster to make this film um, and to have these individuals be so vulnerable. And, you know, we talk about being warriors for Christ and, and um, in order to do that, you have to be vulnerable. And it, it's our duty like just like when we give our life to the Lord, it's our duty to share our testimony, especially mm -hmm. when it applies. But it goes it goes beyond that too. Part of your testimony, whether you're a believer or not, is sharing what you've overcome, right? Or even talking about. I mean, one of the most freeing things in the world for me is being comfortable talking about, you know, the things that I'm still working to overcome. Not even just what I've overcome. In fact. I actually find it to be more relieving to talk about what I'm still going through mm -hmm. than what I've been delivered from. Um, I find that joy, but that's part of our duty. And I find like it hurts my heart to even think that believers would question anything because of a tattoo or because of cannabis. And here's what I know. Everything God created was good. He included like, the devil didn't make cannabis, even though that was part of propaganda. God made cannabis and it's a healing plant. It has healing properties. Right. But like anything, you can abuse it. Sure. Sure you can. But you but, can also abuse the other pain pill medication they give you too. So And that'll kill you. <laughs> right. Like that'll kill you. And, and so it just hurts my heart because a lot of people will never even listen to the message of Jesus because they have been so hurt by Christians and religious people over what they believe is right or wrong. So what's better, me listening to Big Pharma who has an agenda, who's hungry for money, or do I want to go with nature and what God created? It just blows my mind. I know. Well, and as you say, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying I'm perfect. Trust me. I, that's why when I went to Hope Held by a Horse, I realized that day I was paying attention to what was going on. 
and you know this horse came over to me and butted me in the chest quite hard ouch and, and i was like okay that horse doesn't like me she walked like six feet over here to get me and the therapist said no she's trying to tell you something you know you're holding on to something up here and i realized i knew what it was but i thought i don't know these people i'm not i'm not saying anything you know i'm here to make a film not to have therapy but <laughs> but god had something else planned that day i will be honest about it because I, I mean, I started to tear up and I, I did start thinking about my mom and I did start thinking about my friend. And um, I thought, you know, they never had the opportunity to have this program. Mm. And it, I mean, it, that's what was bubbling up in me. And then I realized you, this brings it back to what you were talking about. I was probably angry and pissed off, quite frankly, that my mom wasn't here anymore and i had carried that grief for all like 18 years god what did it feel like to get rid of it i (laughs) this is i was like i felt like if you could take this image in your brain and like i felt like i wasn't doing it physically but i felt like i was skipping through a field of you know sunflowers like i was so (laughs) white afterwards and and the guys that were working working with me on the film, they're like, man, you seem really happy. And I said, well, I was happy when I got here because I love doing what we're doing. He said, no, you, you seem different. I'm like, yeah, it's that horse. And all I want to do is go have horse time. And I at, before that, I had like great fear <laughs> of these beautiful, majestic animals because they're so big. But... It, it, and I thought I left there thinking if one person can experience what I just felt, and that was just me watching this happen, mm-hmm. then I did my job. Yeah, the film. Sure. And I mean, just from me saying that story now, we've had a couple people say, how can I get into that program? And I've been able to get them plugged into that program. And they've set, sent me notes. And I mean, you sit there and you cry because it's like, wow, that's just one piece of the film and one experience. But there's just been so like an, another woman who's in the film. She's an ER doc. Uh, she used to be a flight surgeon in the Air Force. So she's kind of a tough cookie. And she, uh, I had a private screening for cast and crew and some family members. And she told me a couple weeks after, she said, I thought I had dealt with all my crap. And she said, I cried through the whole thing. And, you know, my partner, he just kept holding me. She goes, and I realized that night I had some things I needed to let go of. And then I saw her a couple weeks after that. And she said, I just thought I'd tell you. As a result of this experience in your film, I am now going to transition from what I've been doing for years because I've seen so much ugly in in the ER and such that I'm going to uh, transition to work with people for palliative care um, in a different thing where I can show compassion in, in the experience I had from going through breast cancer. She said, not that I wasn't compassionate before, but I felt like it left me with more empathy for people. What is that like when you first experience true empathy? That's a hard one to explain. It's a very emotional thing. I mean, <laughs> for me, it, seriously. And that, I mean, Truthfully, you have to be vulnerable. You have to let down your guard. You know, um, I really like um, like Brene Brown. She taught. I mean, she researches that and she talks about. You know, we're 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 hardwired and conditioned to have this armor on us, and it's not until we figure out that that armor is crushing us to start getting rid of it. And it comes. It's the it's the peeling of the onion. Yeah. And, it, I, and I'll be honest, it sucks to be vulnerable <laughs> because because somewhere, somehow somebody's going to. They're going to hurt you. Yeah, it's true. 
I, it's something with everything in me that I've, my body has resisted and it's made it almost impossible for me to love until I met Jessica, my wife. And I slowly, but surely I've learned how to love for, for her, from, from her. And I mean, I know it's God working on my heart, but God works on us through other people sometimes. And then learning to love kids, which I've, you know, always had a hard time with. And now I, I'm the biggest sap there is when it comes to those kids. And just, I'm not fully empathetic yet, but I'm working on it and it's a process. But it was like something broke loose in my body the first time I experienced. It was like, you're talking about the armor. It was almost like I could feel it splinter and crack and slowly fall off like yep. little chunks of, you know, steel. And I could just feel it. And then little by little would feel lighter and like, and more free. And it's such an amazing thing. And then I kind of got like, well, I really like this. I want more of it. But I noticed. But we can only handle it in small doses. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, I put my armor back on. (laughs) Right. I don't like this. I'm super naked now. You know, interesting enough. Um, the artwork that we, that I chose was I wanted a shield and I wanted to put it in the fire and have it all damaged because basically these people have all been through the fire and, and had like swords swung at them. And, and, um, but also the other part of it is, you know, I mean, it, we talk about it in, in the Bible where it talks about, you know, God's purifying your and, you know, and it's like, okay, you have to t- heat that temperature up to get those layers off. And, you know, some of these people have shared those stories, you know. And so I just felt like it was all symbolic because um, a friend of mine saw the film and she's a producer and director. And uh, she ended up becoming a caregiver for her husband who had, who slipped and fell and hit his head and had a traumatic brain injury. And she said to me, she said, your film's universal because it validates people, people that have never felt validated in their journey with a medical diagnosis or just in general. And I thought, I never thought of it from that point of view. I see that. And I can see it. I when she said it, I said, "That's what I've been trying to say," and I didn't have the words. Yeah, you know, and, and what I was saying at the beginning, uh, before I brought you on, there's a big part of you can replace cancer with HIV. You can replace it with yes. uh, prostate cancer. You could replace it with anything, and mm-hmm. and and it, and it's a timely film for that from that standpoint because. A lot of people are going through a lot of different things right now, right? You know, I mean, just of, even of, the co- even COVID. I mean, even yeah. somebody going through that, and I call it. Um, I've been calling it uh, CC nineteen, uh, complacent COVID nineteen, because I feel like um, people have become complacent and not really as. Com- we're, there was a window when people were compassionate, <laughs> and I feel like that compassion is kind of dwindled and so you know it's it's my hope for with the film that everybody and generally speaking when somebody watches a film you can watch have 10 people together watch the same film they're all going to get something different out of it Mm -hmm. how do you explain oh as a filmmaker i don't know if you can explain this but i want to try and ask anyway because you were talking about 10 different people watching it and having Mm -hmm. 10 different experiences what about watching it 10 times and having a different experience every time? Like how many of you out there that are watching right now can watch the same movie over and over and over and over again and get something completely different every time? I I, I do quite often, but, and I there are movies <laughs> that I've watched over and over and I'm like, well, that part always makes me cry. And then, <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice that before. Oh, well, I'll have to think about that. So I do think that that happens. And here's my favorite thing that happens. <laughs> I watched something one time and I can't even remember what it was. And I was like, wow, wasn't that cool that they had climb every mountain in there? And my friends looked at me and they went, what? 
that song wasn't in that movie. And I go, well, I guess God wanted me to hear that in my head because that's what I heard. <laughs> happens so to I, me all the time. I that's do really. think stuff like that happens. It's quite interesting when it does. Yeah, it's so cool. So what's next for you? What are you working on now? Or what, do you, what are your goals with the film? What are you wanting to accomplish? Well, actually, ultimately, we want to have it on uh, streaming platforms for everybody. We want to do uh, uh, screenings for fundraising events for uh, breast cancer organizations so that and then do Q&A's and things like that, because ultimately we have so much extra footage. And now since people found out about the film, they they've brought us other programs and they would like to be considered to be featured in a docu-series. That's what our hope is, is that we can. Um, go beyond cancer with the Courageous Warriors um, because uh, Courageous Warriors Beauty from the Ashes, it can be school teachers, it can be veterans, it can be all kinds of people doing courageous things that help other people. Yeah, I, in speaking to that, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm going to throw it out there. But one area that I would love to see that you do with this is there's so many points of contention with a lot of people the LGBT community, mm -hmm. um, you know, even even faith based uh, uh, your persecution uh, mm -hmm. and all of the different diseases out that are out there that are afflicting people and robbing them of their peace, their sanity, mental health. I mean, yeah, you for you for sure have something here, especially with the title to have m multiple series. Yeah, I think it's the, really, really intent. exciting. <laughs> that's the intent. And uh, I mean, we have things outlined. For example, I don't know if uh, you know who Dave Reaver is. Dave uh, Reaver is a, he's a, a Christian gentleman, uh, was severely injured in Vietnam, uh, burned beyond recognition, um, had numerous surgeries and things. And his wife was like, I mean, just a saint. She was like, he said, I was watching the guys in the bed next to me. Their wives would come in and they would leave and they never see him again. But he has a ministry, for example, and he has a, a place up in the mountains here in Colorado where they bring, bring veterans to get the healing. And um, to me, that's a courageous warrior. Though What he does yeah. is unbelievable. He used to come to our church in Houston all the time. Uh, so much so that my daughter still talks about him and she's 41. She goes, I remember him so much coming to our church Mama, <laughs> and telling his stories. And he's so, he's so funny and um, he's very poignant about his approach and he's just upfront and honest. He's somebody I would want absolutely to do something with. And um, there's so many of those people, you know, um, uh, somebody contacted me about, um, uh, they do art therapy with children and things like that, but yeah. they buy their own supplies. They do all this stuff. It's like school teachers. Do you know how many school teachers buy all of the stuff? A lot. <laughs> A lot. But, yeah. and I hear these stories and, you know, I'm here in Colorado. So, you know, we've gone through Columbine and we've gone through the, the Aurora shooting. And now last, you know, last year we had uh, the shooting in the store at, um, at, at uh, one of the grocery stores, King Supers. And, and in my mind, there are all these courageous warriors that aided in all of those things. And what better way to, to feature people like that? I agree. I love it. Even, and then you single moms or single parents that have lost. Yeah. I yeah. was, there's a guy I talked to this morning um, at the gym. He's walking, he's, made his way through Minnesota and now he's in Wisconsin and he's walking and he's raising awareness for families that have lost one of the parents. So where oh, it becomes sure. a single home, a, a single mm -hmm. parent home due to death. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he raised his children by himself. And I, I'm inspired by that because, you know, what limited information or limited experience I have actually being a father, not just a sperm donor. Um, it takes two to do it right. Sure. And I mean, the women, obviously women get a lot of credit for taking this on, uh, but it happens with men too, where they are the sole parent. I really understand more than ever why God created it for a man and woman 
to to go into marriage together and raise a kid. And I'm not saying that gay people can't raise kids. I'm not saying that. So chill out. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm saying that that I have mad respect for people do it because it's tough to raise a child or children by yourself. It's I, I was just I ended up being a single mom, so I raised my daughter, and it and it is, and um, you and know. you worked and you pursued your career still and. Like that's that to me, those are courageous warriors because you know what? A lot of people quit when that kind of stuff happens. Sure. I admire anyone that does that. Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, most of the people in the industry that I work with are far younger than I am. <laughs> and so, you know, I get a lot of looks at times. And even in some of the festivals, people are like, uh, hmm. You're kind of old. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you still want to be able to uh, – just because people get old doesn't mean suddenly they become ignorant and stupid and all that kind of thing. I mean, I have friends that live in the complex where I live. They're 80 years old, and and I watch them battle stuff every single day, and I'm thinking, see, they're a courageous warrior. I have one friend. She just turned 82. And she's got all kinds of health issues. She's a three-time cancer survivor. And she's like, you know, I, I just feel like I still have stuff I can say and share with people. So what does she do? She meets with people that are just starting with can into their cancer journey. Uh, she doesn't get paid for it. But she goes and she walks them through um, nutritional stuff essential oils that have worked for people, things like that. And I think, my gosh, there are so many stories that could be told that would be helpful because you never know what's going to like ignite that little switch in somebody. Yeah. Who needs fiction when you, there's so many stories out there that are real, that are far more shocking, far, far more thought provoking th far more inspiring than anything that could just be created. Um, I love, I, I mean, my favorite thing about interviewing is getting to hear people's stories and what they've been through because everyone is uniquely different unless if they try to be someone else. And, right. you know, like I, I, or cause if, and people fall into that trap all the time, unfortunately, but our well, own stories also, are what's valuable. Also, I think you also think like for me, for example, with this movie, I never thought in a million years, I thought, oh, just shut up. You're, you don't have anything to say. So what, you were a caregiver for your mom the first time, and then you showed up at the very end and you helped your friend and her husband. And I thought, but that piece nobody wants to talk about because it's, it's not the happy ending. Yeah. And so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to say it and we're going to shoot it. And, and then if I don't like it, I, I'm the director. I can take it out. But um, people found it interesting. And they were like, we didn't know that. Yeah. We didn't know this part about the end of life. We didn't know this part about um, I have the right to say I don't want to take any more treatment. And and that's a difficult thing to talk about. Um, sure. You know, and in, 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 in the case of my, my girlfriend, I mean, she had like three master's degrees and they were talking down to her like she was, you know, 10 and uh, yelling at her. And I'm like, uh, you know what? I'm going to step in here and advocate for her because obviously you guys are trying to cram this down her throat and she doesn't want it anymore. She wants to go mm -hmm. home. And so those are those are the kinds of things that you want to uh, bring to the forefront so people can say, well, oh, I remember. Yeah, they talked about it in that movie. Ah, I can go in and at, and ask questions about treatment for my parents, and whether it makes them mad or, or not, it doesn't matter. But you have the ability to to do that. Hmm. Do you um with film, the industry is changing quite a bit all the time. And you've been, you're very accomplished. Uh, I noticed that you've won some film festivals. I noticed that we've entered some of the same ones, actually. <laughs> um, the, uh, but it's obvious that the industry is changing. The, the 
pr the, pr the, the proof in the pudding is that now theater releases are being accompanied, accompanied with HBO Max. Correct. The industry is changing. Technology is also forcing that change and it's allowing that change. Where do you think the film industry will be in five years? <laughs> that, oh, that's, a, that's like trying to fund a movie. That's a million dollar question, uh, <laughs> quite honestly. You know, I mean, and Mark Cuban did that first before anybody else. You know, mm -hmm. he, he re released it on um, his uh, streaming platform uh, first in, in the theaters and it made the theater owners mad. Um, you know, so right now it's, it's sort of a half. The theater part was always marketing for DVDs and everything else. Um, so now I'm not really sure what's going to happen, but um, there's a lot of independent filmmakers who. Well, here's the numbers. 16,000 people approximately, sometimes 20, submit f films to Sundance. And 80% of those don't make it. And 80% of those that did that never make another movie. Hmm. It, it, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And it's, it's not easy. And so um, everybody... They're trying to, it's like in hockey, you're trying to not follow the puck. You're trying to go where you think the puck is going to go. Yeah. And, so, you know, <laughs> and my nephew plays triple A hockey. I've learned a few things. <laughs> um, but I, you know, my goal is fortunately for me. Yeah. Would I like to make some money off of my films? I've had a couple where I've made some money, but for this project, it's about getting it out there. Do yeah. I want, I want to see that independent filmmakers get, don't fall into the category like music did. Well, cause I've had people say, well, I mean, it's the same thing that happened to musicians and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but as a, as a musician and a singer, you can go out on the street corner and busk. I can't go direct the scene of my film out on the street corner and have people throw money in a hat for me. That would be cool though. It would, wouldn't it? So, you know, and, and I mean, there are Facebook pages where they invite people in if you're a director or producer and they want you to, to uh, tell the negatives of what distributors to stay away from. I, I'm still trying to find distributors that treat independent filmmakers in a, in a positive manner. Um, and unfortunately, I'm not sure everybody, everybody's all about the buck, but they never want, they want our content, but nobody wants to pay you for it. Well, cause content has been so, I mean, Facebook live, for instance, which, you know, I mean that, that allowed me to start the process of making my dream come true and having a talk show. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm grateful for Facebook live and a lot of, and it, and it's been amazing how it trained me to be able to do broadcast in a live in front of a live audience because of the interactivity right. and learning how, I mean, it's been an amazing tool. And now, of course, now years later, everybody's doing it. Right. And, and it's just, there's so much content. Like and it's, it's almost, over, I'll it, pay you not to send it to me now. Cause it's, it's overwhelming. It's really overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And how do you I know had what to watch. You know, I had one distributor say to me recently, and, and he's actually distributing one of my other films that was already pre-distributed before, but he's putting it out in a different different manner. And uh, I sent him information about this one. He goes, oh, I can't monetize a documentary. I'm like, really? Because there's like people that that's all they watch. But what, what you have to kind of do is sift through, like find the right fit for each film, not, not all distributors you know, fit each film. And am I going to do something different with this? Yes. But I'm also going to do some things that are similar to some of my past successes because I have a built-in audience here. Yeah. You know, well, and I, I think what you have, you have something special and it's not that look, there's not car explosions. There's not violence. There's not, but yeah. it's a, it's a thought provoking journey through mm -hmm. people's lives and, and what they're going through, how they're facing this hardship. And again, you can take breast cancer out 
and place anything there because what you're going to hear, if it doesn't inspire you, it doesn't make you ask questions about what your current reality is or what you think it is. I don't know what will. The reason I can recommend this film, again, it's not because it's just, again, car explosions, tons of action. It's not that. Mm-hmm. But it applies to today for everyone. There's, I don't, can't think of a situation in what the lives and just going through all the different stories I get to hear and doing what I do that you can't apply this film to your life. And, and it, it's eye-opening. And I, so I highly, highly recommend it for all of you that are out there watching. Darla, how can people find the film now? Well, right now we're just starting to get acceptance into some festivals. So cool. that's our first first nut to crack. Um, so I would tell people to go to either the website, Courageous Warriors, beautyfromtheashes.com, because we will be statusing updates there, but also at the same Facebook page, the Courageous Warriors, Beauty from the Ashes. Um, as festivals, you know, like if we're going to be in a certain town, we will be broadcasting it there. But as soon as we have the ability, um, you know, we will put it out there as fast as we can. Cool. Um, and, and like I said, if there are organizations that want to have a screening, we will come and do a Q&A following it. You know, I mean, we want to make an, a, uh, an event that benefits everybody so that, you know, like there's organizations, they have a hard time raising money, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, then have an evening with the filmmaker or something like that. And some of our some of our people that are in the film, uh, because I think that's the fastest way we can get things out there for people and to help people. Sure. Well, I love that idea. And any any support that we can be uh, on here with us, uh, you know, our foundation and what we do. Uh, Listen, I believe in what you're doing and I love your work. I love I, I love really what you're about. And uh, I'm very, very grateful to have had you on again. And um, we'll, we'll make, you know, again, anything that we can do to help build awareness for this film and what the work that you do, let us know. I appreciate it so much. And, and you know, we're so grateful that you uh, were willing to have us on again and, and to watch the film because, you know, I wanted to get some male perspective on the film too, because we uh, do have, we do address um, male breast cancer and, and the caregiving component. Yeah. And that, and again, and with that said, even though male breast cancer is a bit of a minority compared to female breast cancer, mm-hmm. you, men, this film is just as much for you as it is for teenagers, as it is for women. Um, it, it, it matters. So you guys would definitely want to check that out. Darla, how can people find more information about you? Um, they could go to filmitproductions.com. Um, they can go to my Facebook page, Darla Ray. Again, um, I'm, I'm kind of all over on the on Facebook with the various films that I've done and on my website for my production company, Film It Productions. Awesome. God bless you, Darla. Thank you so much for being Thank here. Thank you so much, Joshua. I appreciate it. Take care. See you soon. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Darla Ray, everybody. Um, so we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, we're going to take a s- small break, and uh, we'll be back in just a second.
Welcome back, everyone, to Gratitude Unfiltered Remixed. I'm your host, Joshua T. Berglund, and uh, just sit and enjoy the music for a little bit. Twelve responsibilities of mastery. We're going to get into the 12 areas of mastery. Um, I, I did a broadcast yesterday for Live Life Free, and um, it's worth checking out. Um, I really, really enjoyed this. I went over to 12 areas of what was it called? The 12 attitudes of mastery. This is the 12 responsibilities of mastery that I'm going to get into in just a second here. Freedom from the victim victimizer blame game and willingness to be accountable for all perceivable manifestations as a direct projection of intended learning from the personal consciousness template. That is self-actualization. Read it again. Freedom from the victim-victimizer blame game. Willingness to be accountable for all perceivable manifestations as direct progressions of intended learning from the personal consciousness. Pretty interesting. Self-sovereignty, freedom from the need for approval from or the need to rebel against any form of external authority, though understanding that you, as a manifestation of God's spirit, have the ability to create personal freedom without violating the spiritual gifts of others and without allowing others to violate your spiritual, spiritual rights of being. Amen to that. Taking personal responsibility. This is self-containment. Taking personal responsibility for and realizing that all times you are accountable for directing personal energies. There is no one or no thing that upsets you and thus justifies or validates any personal spiritual misuse of reaction, idea, intention, or action. It is you who upsets yourself by allowing the emotional body to follow misperceptions of the mental body that tell you that. Your power lies outside of yourself. At any given moment, you can choose which words, associations, and ideas you will use as the fillers through which you interpret an event. Upset, mad, hurt, or any other category of labeling are all mental body filters that direct emotional and physical body function. That dumb. That's wild. Only you have the power to upset yourself. Regardless of what others say or do, you are fully entitled to your own interpretation. No one or thing has the power to upset you unless you give this power away. Self-containment comes when you recognize consciousness or subconscious is an attainable level of personal mastery and exists as amplified responsibility that comes with the gift of free will choice. The more responsible you become, the greater freedom and personal power that you will know. I dig that. 
how many of us can take personal accountability for all of our actions and realize that when we are offended, we're allowing that to happen. We're allowing that into our life. Think about that today as we approach as we approach the day, as we face the day, as we deal with different people, as we get offended by people's opinions. Think about what that really is about. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Have an amazing day.